0: Hello, welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. You know what we do? We bring those nuggets of knowledge to those viewers and listeners on the on the radio show. Uh, we're out there on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio. You can also check us on YouTube. So check us out on YouTube. We'll try to leave some uh, information there that'll reference over to our special guest for today. And you know, we normally, we have some awesome guests on our show. Today's going to be no exception. We have Chip Merlin. He's an attorney. He's got the inside knowledge on business interruption and other things, risk management. So Chip, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I, lo- I love the, uh, what, what I see in, in the background in your office. You've got the pay up. That's a new book that you just wrote. So congratulations on that.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Forbes Books uh, helped publish it with me, and it came out in uh, March. Kind of a crazy time for it to come out, but uh,
0: wow, that is awesome. So yeah, what right in the middle of COVID,
1: right, right in the middle of it, and it's created you know quite a few actually questions because of uh, COVID and and the businesses that are being affected right now, whether or not they're able to make a an, an insurance claim.
0: Yeah, that's been a big issue that that uh, we've we've helped clients with as well is. Um, not necessarily on, on any insurance claims, but that's just been a big question as to are, will there be any insurance available?
1: We think so. Uh, we, we think uh, we're, we're representing clients right now. Uh, not everybody. Uh, we, you know, and I, and I say this in all sincerity, we don't know for certain how everything's gonna go uh, play out and I've told everybody, you know, if you have a business interruption policy, you have loss of civil authority, almost anybody can be in the game because we can't predict the future. I don't know what's gonna happen on legislation. I don't know what's gonna happen on legislation uh, at the federal level. I can't predict for certain you know, how the court cases are gonna go. I can tell people and we'll share that, you know, what are the easiest to the, to the hardest you know, for that. But we um, are, are actually filing lawsuits on a number of business clients that we think uh, certainly have coverage. On our best cases, we're pushing those forward.
0: Good. We'll definitely talk about that. I think that is, that's, that's just a hot, hot topic. Uh, a lot of businesses, they're worried about when, when they reopen, what their liability exposure is going to be. So, if somebody comes in and, and maybe they're, they're a COVID transmitter and somebody that's bu- visiting the restaurant or the bar or the gym or whatever it is, they catch COVID from that place of business. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, the actual thing doesn't have to happen for somebody to bring litigation. So uh, that creates a whole issue and, and with uh, everybody's got a, a camera on their cell phone, so they're going to take pictures of people gathering. Maybe they're, maybe they're not in compliance at that moment. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to control everybody, but maybe you've got a group of more than 10 people or they're not exercising the six-foot social distancing and, uh, you know, that just is, is information or, or documentation for, for uh, an attorney and, and a plaintiff to bring a lawsuit.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. It's uh it's going to be a novel area of the law that's going to come up. It's going to be very unique, uh, um, and I can understand. In businesses, you, you never you never know. We I I was posed a question by somebody who said at a hospital. You know, uh, Chip, would you represent somebody who got they think uh, the the virus to them transmitted at a hospital? I said, don't do medical malpractice. This is who you need to go sue. But it's literally. A medical malpractice claim and I've read some out in the uh, literature that the market for insurance for doctors and hospitals is actually rising because of their concern about not that there's even going to be liability but just the defense cost of defending those lawsuits because it's still the problems for the plaintiff is how they can prove where they got the virus from
0: right so. yeah that's the true but it, the problem you know it, it's uh I guess this is a, an issue that that anybody that's in business or or just if you're a Joe citizen out there. You're, you're always uh, vulnerable for somebody bringing suit against you. You may not, you may not have been wrong, but uh, it, it's a lot of times it's pretty inexpensive to bring suit and make you defend your position. So
1: I, I tell people a lot. I said, there's really two reasons why you want to have uh, especially liability insurance for you. If you do make a mistake, you open up your umbrella and you poke somebody's eye out behind you. My God, look what I've done. And I have the financial wherewithal because I went out and I purchased liability insurance to pay my brother and sister that I did that accident to that I shouldn't have had. Here you go. Here's your money. The bigger problem a lot of times, and I'd say it's for a lot of businesses, you have lawsuits brought against you. It costs a fortune just to pay the attorneys on the other side. And so your insurance, even if you're not you know, at fault for it, to offend you to have your own attorney's that's a very valuable part of that insurance. And that's the reason why businesses should go out and buy the liability insurance because you can go broke just paying attorney's fees.
0: Absolutely. Just on the defense costs. I mean, just to defend you to get to the position to say you were not wrong. So uh, without that, without that coverage for defense costs, you're, you're, you've lost before the game started.
1: It's a very, very important part of coverage that uh, both from a personal aspect people should carry with them and from a business they should as well. I typically say, uh, you know, the more affluent you get, the more that liability insurance you know, is important. People should be looking from their agents to get umbrella coverage and hire leads for all kinds of things that might happen because it, it, life is very different. And who would ever think we might be talking about, gee, could I be re- uh, responsible or negligent with respect to the safety of my employees or my customers if they walk through the door and then now they said they got the virus right here at my, at my business, you know?
0: So, oh, Yeah. Absolutely. I've got um, clients that are, that are bar owners and I don't believe they've opened the bars back up yet in the state of Florida, but they're, they're thinking, you know, even once they, they're allowed to open back up and even though it may be a, a, a limitation on, on the occupancy or how much they can have in there, 50% or 75%, they're thinking, you know, I'm, I don't want to open my bar back until I get some assurance that this liability is, thing is not going to be an issue.
1: Well I would hope uh, you know and i and I hear that sometimes, and I tell people all the time, guys, that's why you have insurance, you're supposed to take care of your customers, you're supposed to do the best you can, and that's all any because it's a reasonable basis. It's not I absolutely have to take care of everything that's going on and the truth of the matter is uh, you buy that for peace of mind so that you can go on with the risks of any business whatsoever. Right. insurance is a very important product and the the, the more affluent you are, the, the bigger your business is, the more important the product is. So you have a enough limits so you can go out there and and and, and swing for the fences. I mean, you really can. That's, that's the beauty of insurance.
0: Yeah, that's why you have it. It, it is, uh, you know, then you get into the issue and we can talk about this too. What the more, and this is kind of a, a basic concept, but the more you insure, the higher the cost is. So if we're insuring for, everything that you can think of, the insurance becomes unaffordable. So, uh, you know, that's one of the, one of the fallbacks too, or one of the questions is on this, on the business interruption that we'll get into is if it's covered, did, did the insurance company anticipate that when they wrote the policy? So, yeah. yeah, So if they, if they did, then good, they should be that, that risk is on them. But if not, then uh, maybe it falls back to a similar situation on the terrorism act, you know, after the, the, uh, the planes hit the, tr- the World Trade Center and what happened on 9 11, then you had a, the exclusion for terrorist acts. So um, mm-hmm. that may be a similar thing that we have here. I don't know.
1: Well, there, there and right now there is a pending legislation in front of Congress uh, that uh, is, we're going to call it the Pandemic Risk Insurance Act, PRIA, similar, similar to terrorism, which is TRIA. Uh, That's which, right. As, as it is right now to be prospective, not retroactive. I'd heard there was some debate as to whether or not they would make it retroactive and the uh, government acts as a funding source and stop for the insurance uh, communities on it. But you also talked about the intent of the parties, did the insurance companies and industry, did they want to insure for the pandemic for virus? And, and they had actually developed after the SARS stuff in 2007, 2008, a an endorsement that excludes a loss caused by virus, essentially. And I I've told everybody those are going to be much more difficult claims to, to bring. I'm certain there'll be some discovery on it, but we have one client that came to us because I represent policyholders and says, here's the endorsement that says it's not covered. I got another endorsement that says and it's, it, it covers it. I, we look, It's the only one we've seen so far that way. It might be just a, a complete one-off. There's been a few, not many, uh, businesses that uh, had enough foresight and when you could buy it cheaply. I mean, mm-hmm. You've got to buy pandemic insurance coverage today. It's going to be Ooh. off the charts. It's, it's almost it, impossible. Yeah, and most of it's been pulled. But a year ago, you could have bought it, and and some m- major businesses did go out and buy specifically with respect to what's going on right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Those those guys had some awesome foresight, or if they had a, and we can talk about it a little bit if we have time on the on the show about the the role a captive would play in this too, and and who that caters to and what, what it picks up that the traditional business interruption or general liability policy would not pick up on. Uh, so we can touch on that. The, um, tell, before we start the show, tell me a little bit about your firm and your, and your track record or your history. I know that you, you recently uh, put out the, the new book, Pay Up. Uh, I see that in the background. I love that. So just give me a little bit of background, the viewers and, and the audience, a little background on, on you.
1: Well, I went to the University of Florida, uh, graduated from law school in, in uh, 1982, became a member of the bar in 1983, and the first job I had out was representing uh, insurance carriers as their coverage counsel on insurance defense involving property insurance, and and I was doing that for a firm that was growing very very fast uh, here in Florida, in Tampa, Florida, and flying all over the country with satellites, you know, blowing up on the. After being shot, the boilers blowing up to all kinds of crazy, Mount St. Helens claims way back when in the 80s. And after a few years of doing that, I, I nobody was really representing the policyholders at that time. And so on that very small little niche area of property insurance law, and we were rolling over people winning. And sometimes I thought if they had a better attorney, really just did nothing but that, that it would change. And so after a few years I switched to 1985 and I started a policyholder firm with one person me at a very young age I've been doing it for 37 35 years now as a policyholder attorney our firm now has over 60 attorneys uh, from offices within Los Angeles San Francisco we have 15 attorneys out in San Juan uh, right now and in places in between Um, and and This is what we do for a living. All we do is first-party insurance coverage litigation for policyholders who are in disputes with their insurance companies, and that would include life and health um, and disability policies as well, too. Predominantly, what we do is is represent uh, people and businesses and governmental entities in property insurance disputes, which would also include business interruption claims.
0: Good, good. Yeah, that. Hey, that's um, that's a great area, great niche of the law because it's uh, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate. I've had the the experience where I've needed to work with a with a firm just like you because you know, the, and I'm sure that this is this is kind of common sense and it was one of the baseline reasons for for what you do and the service you provide to the policyholder. But the policyholder, in many cases, those are the little guys, so they're going up against the big insurance company with all the resources imaginable. They have it all. So they've got all the attorneys, they've got they wrote the they wrote the policy. So they know what it is. And they have people that their sole purpose is to beat those policyholders back and not pay out claims. So I think what you do is that's that's admirable and that's needed.
1: I appreciate you saying that It, it especially when I first started out, there were probably, you know, on one hand I could count the number of attorneys that just limited their practice to solely policyholder work and that's all they do there's more people now there's more specialties going on in the field of law but you hit the nail on the head the insurance companies you know in advance their actuaries can figure out all the costs the agents that they have to pay the commission to uh what they're gonna eventually have to pay out right dollars the taxes that are gonna get paid out they even put in there the amount of the litigation costs. so your premium dollars Actually funds the insurance company's expense of litigating against you to collect back on the on the benefits, and they're still in advance the amount set out for profit. So all that's put in the calculation when the policy is then sold to the uh, policyholder. The policyholder is you buys the product, hopefully never having to use it. Over year after year after year, you renew your policy, and then finally, if something really bad happens, the last thing you want to hear about is. Uh, sorry, we're not going to pay you. We're not going to pay as much as you, what you really need to get back in business or to restore your home, whatever it might be. And uh, and that's the situation. Then typically people will find their way to, to hopefully somebody like me that, that that really understands how this works, uh, how insurance policies work, how insurance works and and, and leave them that way. It's, uh, you wouldn't go to, um, I often say, you wouldn't go to a, a, a toe doctor to take care of brain surgery and and the law's gotten to be that way. People start to limit their practice and and the bars actually say you can't they say you can't say you specialize, but I can say I, I limit my practice to this particular little area of the law. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you I'm glad you do that. And it, it's really I think that's that's a good analogy as the you wouldn't go to a, a heart a heart doctor for a, if you had a toe problem or vice versa. So um, yeah, I think that that's really needed and that that allows you to be, well, let's use the the word since we can, an expert. So you're an expert in that area. So you know what to what to go after, what to look for, what to attack, and how to defend your your client.
1: And I have 60 other people doing it in the firm. So we're all doing the same thing. You get to be best of breed. We're sharing information across the country. So it's a whole bunch of attorneys and and people doing the same thing over and over and over and. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get pretty good at something. If All you do is do the same thing over and over and over and then learning from colleagues, you know, and you keep up and you study it. It's uh, like any other thing in, in life. If you do it um, repetitively and you do it to the best you can, eventually you get pretty good at
0: it. You get good at it. Yeah. I guess the, the other interesting thing, not only are you, are you specializing in that, but you've also uh, refined it down further that you're doing, uh, business interruption and in property and casualty. So, and, you know, there's a whole other. There, there's plenty of other areas out there from workers' comp to. Yeah,
1: we, the, we don't. We don't do workers' comp. We've got it more and more and more limited in our firm. As a matter of fact, we won't even do uh, liability. We won't represent policyholders on liability claim disputes. There's other colleagues now that that's all they do. is specialize there. We don't do DNO. We don't do constructive defect. The construction defect litigation regarding insurance coverage that way uh, we will do builders risk coverage because it's a first party coverage um and any business interruption all the time because it's usually all within the same policy when businesses have the losses but and then we we carved out one little thing for health and disability where we have some of our attorneys doing just nothing but those uh works and and some of those stories uh
0: yeah, that's probably very compl- complicated on health and disability. I can imagine that's even more more detailed than property is.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of regulations, but, you know, the more you do something over and over, you see the complexities of everything that goes on. I tell people, you know, in our firm or, or lawyers, you, you've got to know everything about uh, building construction, building codes, you know, uh, you've then got to know uh, how extra expense fits in with respect to the accounting, getting businesses back in. You got to understand what all the product and benefits that might be available. So the, you know, the field of what you have to know, even though it's very, very, a very small field, the amount of knowledge to do it right is great.
0: It's so, deep. Yeah, you're right. The, uh, I guess in the state of Florida, if you're doing property and casualty, then the, the I would think the hurricanes and, and natural disasters like that are, are a big part of your practice as well.
1: They are right now. Um, uh, you know, I remember we had four hurricanes in 2004, and then we had a major one, which was the fourth largest by dollar value of Hurricane Wilma that came through you know, Florida, and then we didn't have another hurricane for 11 years. And uh, so a lot of my time I spend on the road going to wherever disasters might be. I spent the better part of a couple of years in uh, Mississippi, and New Orleans after Katrina, Right. People in the firm were back here. We were up in New York and New Jersey after Superstorm Sandy.
0: Right, right.
1: For three years. I remember living up there. I had a great time, learned all about that area. Um, you know, but we have lava flows that go on in Hawaii. We have a hurricane in, in uh, Puerto Rico and the birds. Ver- a lot of our practice ends up where we have you know, major catastrophes. Certainly, our firm has attorneys there. Uh, but, you know, just day to day, there's things that happen, uh, you know, things blow up, you know, get flooded out. And that's the, oh,
0: yeah, there's uh, some uh, floods now happened. in Michigan, right? So you're, you could be involved in that.
1: And floods going on in Michigan, and we'll see how, how all that, you know, plays out, you know, I, and, and hopefully people have the flood insurance. You know, what happens right. year after year, they go, geez, it's been 20 years, there's not been a flood, it's been 50 years, it's never flooded here, why should I go get the flood insurance? And, Sure enough, as soon as you say I'm going to cancel or not get it, that's yep.
0: something bad. The happens. 100-year flood. Now, I heard that uh, not too long ago, was it in Michigan or Ohio, where they had the 100-year flood, and now they're saying this one that – I must be in Michigan. Now they're saying this is the 500-year flood or something that, crazy.
1: That's what they were saying. It's the 500-year flood that came through, and um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how much of it – I mean, it destroyed dams. Um, It's up on a river that's uh, used to have some problems, but it's, you know, it can be very isolated in a particular area where they say it's 500. I really think what's going on, whatever the cause is, is there's changes in the climate that are going on that we all can see. And um, uh, it's more severe weather, more dumping of water, and and we're going to get used to it. But in the interim, these things that used to be considered 500 years because of the change in climates, maybe they're every 50 years now. And we have to think of it differently and how we're going to protect ourselves from that.
0: Yeah, so the, uh, we'll, uh, we'll close out this pre-roll for uh, one little shout out to COVID. So I, we can't blame the flood on, on COVID, can we?
1: No, we can't blame anything on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, so
0: uh, I don't know how, if the, if the COVID lockdown, if that's affected your firm or how you've done business over the past few months, I know that it probably has most everybody in America. So how, how, have you, how has your firm dealt with it?
1: Uh, we were just like, I think every office except the office in Phoenix was just really shut down, probably the most severe for a period of time in Puerto Rico where they, they would arrest anybody just trying to drive around at night and for some reason all the local sheriffs and police officers knew who, who was there. Our office in Red Bank, New Jersey is not open and I talked to those attorneys Say Our offices both in San Francisco and Los Angeles are closed and I had to discussion with our attorneys and staff out there today. But and the difference is I'm looking at everybody on computer screens. I'm seeing them more today because of the change of technology than I saw them when I was trying to fly and maybe seeing two or three times a year. I'm seeing at least once a week. Uh we're using this technology. Frankly I'm having a lot more fun working with my colleagues all over the country because I can see their face. We can talk. We're exchanging more information and and there's been the travel downtime that you would have we're not losing that anymore i thought at first we we might be shutting down a lot of offices and having let people go and we we're on you know, you know you think at the at the start of at the brink of it but we've kind of come through on this much better and 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 with the thought that we possibly you know don't even need to have as much office space as we had in the past because people can work from home i had one attorney up in michigan in the northern part of grand rapids no grand rapids minnesota not Grand Rapids, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Minnesota. And it's where she grew up and she's been able to the work she's normally out of our Chicago office. She said this has really been an eye opening experience. I get to go back home to where I used to grow up, and where I love, you know, where my heart's at. And she's working from there without missing a beat. You know, it's and at first we didn't ever think that would happen. And um so, you know, knock on what we've been very, very lucky getting through all this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you know it's interesting, and that's a point I've had discussions with with other other business owners as well, is is the I've always had the the thought or the I've expected that the way our business is set up, we provide outsource accounting services. And we're we're set up already that we have an office, but we can work in a virtual setting because all of our all of our records are in the cloud anyway. So whether, no matter where we are, as long as we have power and internet connection, then we can access the information. Clients can access the information. You can talk on a cell phone. Uh, you just need to have a secure place that you're working and make sure your connection is secure. But you know, you can do that anywhere. And what this has really done is it's, it's pushed people to test that. So now it's like, okay, I don't have a choice and I, I'm not going out on a limb to try this. I've got to try it. I've got to do that to be able to to continue work because we can't go to our office, or we have to provide this flexibility with our with our workforce. So I think what has happened uh, to to kind of underscore your point. What what did what's the fallout? What's the impact going to be to the to the business real estate market? Because I think that's a discovery that a lot of business owners are finding out right now.
1: Well, let's see. My banker who called, we had a discussion with them earlier this week uh, because, as you said, we in order to battle these large insurance companies, we have to have lines of credit to pay sometimes millions of dollars in these cases that we have Mm -hmm. on the bigger ones. And they want to know how the business is going. And one of the things they talked about, we talked about too, do you think you need as much office space in the future? How's that? And we don't think we will. And I think across the board, many professional service firms are finding that their employees are very good employees and work very hard from home. They don't need to be in expensive office settings. And 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 they can share offices and then work from home more work just as even better remotely for, and i don't can't say exactly why I, I can say that our expenses with respect to travel have just dropped considerably that's a savings and, and we don't need the travel if we're able to do things like Right. The yeah right the,
0: yeah exactly the technology is is available to do that so now it's you know it's really forced us into okay we're going to go through a a trial period and we're forced to do that. It's not an option. So we've been forced to do it. We tested it. I think what you're saying and what I'm saying, I think you're going to see that with the majority of people out there. It's like, okay, you know, this works pretty well and we're just as efficient. Uh, We don't have to do as, this is bad for the airlines industry and the people that are in the travel industry, but you don't have to travel as much to get more done.
1: You don't have to have a car that's going to commute an hour in and an hour out. People love that.
0: That Mm
1: It saves them time um yeah i i uh office you know whoever owns the office space for professional service firms they're in trouble yes the airlines uh because now we're learning we don't have to travel i can see people that i work with all over we're having virtual mediations that i think work just as well as what used to be in place the, the only problem in our business we're having we you know when things blow up or, or go wrong and you need to have experts go out and, and forensically take a look at buildings know, how much is it going to cost and visit various places to do, you know, on-site inspections, they still have to be able to get there. And we've been slowed down, you know, from that. We can't do trials right now. And some insurance companies, sometimes they will wait until the very end on the doorstep before you finally get the the full settlement that you're going to get, right? right? And so that slowed us down a little bit. But by and large, everybody seems to be working at a much higher rate. And I did not anticipate that as this was first starting, I think like any other business owner, most of us were, were scared, you know, as can be. I, and so, but, but it's kind of turned out the other way. Yeah. It's,
0: it's funny that uh, I've had um, a lot of my employees, they love it and they're, they're as efficient as they were in an office setting. And then I've had some that say, okay, I've done this enough. I'm ready to go back to the office at least for three days a week. Yeah. So that Now, now you're going to get like the, I won't say it's the worst scenario, but now you're going to have the situation where you got to, you got to have your office space that is flexible enough that you're going to have people coming in some days and they're not in some days. So it's, you you can have less, but it's, it's also, you could end up where you're, you're, you don't have the same, uh, I guess that person has that space all the time.
1: I think the, uh, some of the, you know, younger attorneys and staff members who have uh, the spouse at home, the children at home and the dog at home. One of my, they're shaking in our Los Angeles office. I called him, and I'm talking to him. I got to get out, of Chip. I got to get back to the office. I can't stand this anymore. The dog is. My kids are chasing the dog. My wife's screaming at me to go get him, and I got to take your phone call at the same time. We need to get back into an office space. So you have those people who definitely want to get back there because oh, it's yeah. better for them to work. But uh, by and large, a lot of people, especially if you're able to set it up and, and you're able to get away, your space to go work and it's set up that way. And I think. When children are able to go back to school, and we're back to a normalcy, you're going to find the new normalcy is people are going to have home office spaces to work from at a much greater frequency, and they're going to have more time at home, more time with their children, more time with their family. Hopefully, that won't lead to more divorce attorneys being busy. But <laughs> you know, I think that's what we're going to find.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. It's uh, it's it's very interesting, and I'm, I'm hesitant to use the new normal cause I, I don't know what that is and I don't think everybody's ready to give up what normal was before either. You know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of what happened in the past that people, I don't think they will give up on that or do they want to give up on that, but it's going to be, there's going to be somewhat of a, a different delivery method. There's going to be some twist to it. There will be some adaption that people have to do.
1: There, uh, always. I, I thought, you know, it's, you know, you talk about life-changing events for the world or for the United States. I mean, September 11 definitely was for, for a lot of us. And how you get around and travel on airlines changed a lot. Uh, for, uh, you know, for a period of time, I was flying private because I was so upset with the commercial airlines afterwards. And for a while, they talked about not allowing people to have cell phones you know, as you go on, you know, on an air, right. which then kind of forced you. If you're in business and you needed to be somewhere, this change in technology that we now have is, is huge and it's allowing us to change and forcing change on us. And I think that for most businesses, we should always be thinking about things are never the same. They do change. You know, the, I guess the one normal might be is change is always going on.
0: Right. One thing that is consistent is change will happen. Yeah. So good. I think um, let's take about a, a five second break here. So, uh, if you wanna, if you want to stand up and jump around for five seconds we 'll do that and then uh, when, when we come back on then we'll john will have played the the lead in music and we'll be on for the for the show you got it Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Beanteam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host for Business Matters. You know what we do. We bring nuggets of knowledge for the viewers and the audience out there. So we try to deal with the issues that are relevant, that really matter to your business. So... Uh, one of the things that often people have to deal with is insurance to make sure that they have the right insurance coverage in place that they have right risk management and today we are blessed we have chip merlin on the show with us today chip welcome to the show
1: it's great to be here thank you for having me
0: good you know we are still i've been leading the show off recently since we've been in this covid crisis covid lockdown whatever you want to call that it's uh everything COVID it seems like. So today is uh, May. Let me look at my clock here. May the 22nd and it is three forty seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you know how how fast things have changed over the past three months. So I just find it important to say the day and the time that we're having this discussion because when people watch or listen to this uh, in a week or later on, they're going to say, well, that." that's that things have changed so much since then. So whether it's a day or a week, I think it's important to say that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're in the state of Florida chip. You're down, you're down in Tampa. I'm over in, in Destin and Miramar beach and San Destin. And we're, we've got this recorded over in, uh, and out of Tallahassee, Florida, out of the, the real talk 93.3 studio. We've got John Jopling over there. So we've got three different places. So we're a Testament to the technology that we're all living Living in right now today, and I think that's been that's been awesome. You know that that's one thing that COVID has forced us to do is to learn the technology, live with it, and I think most people are loving it.
1: I think you, you feel closer to the colleagues you work with. We have we actually have offices in Panama City, Florida, uh, because of Hurricane Michael. While I, I, and my my father was in the Coast Guard, and I lived in Panama City, Florida, for two years. Went to Mosley High School, and I'm still a. I think since 1986, a a member of the San Andreas Bay Yacht Club uh, in Panama City, Florida. I like to get up that area. It's it's great friends, lifetime friends up there. And they were uh, just devastated after Hurricane Michael. But uh, I'm able to talk to them every single day, even despite the fact that my last time I flew on an airplane was go to Panama City, Mariana and Panama City, Florida. Wow. At that time, I have not been Flying, I guess that was um, March the 16th, I believe. And for me, for a guy who flies, was flying over 250 segments, you know, a year, not for two months straight now, not being able to fly is very different. And yet, because of the technology, I feel like I'm working closer, better, having more fun uh, than I ever have in, in, in many years. Uh we could just share and see each other every single day where we haven't yeah. been able to do that in the past.
0: Well, think of all the time you get back to. So I know that that is uh, what's good that it that it allows us to recapture all that time. The bad thing is there's a whole airline industry and there's a whole travel industry out there that's been dramatically impacted by that, too. And, and you know, who knows what the outlook on that industry or those industries going to be in the future?
1: You know, as one industry goes down, another one picks back up. There's all kinds of people in our IT departments now that are working overtime trying to make this new technology work. I think that's just the nature of of business as we go through. But the truth of the matter is uh, us being able to communicate and see each other visually and visually learn how to use the tools that were there but we weren't really using before has changed dramatically. and, And many business people now understand, hey, there's a new world out there. We don't have to leave our loved ones to go fly over there for a week to come back, come back at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning just to get up and go fly somewhere else again. We can do it this way. In terms of a lifestyle, I think a lot of us are a lot happier for it despite the fact some of our brothers and sisters might have to go look for a career change because the demand for what they were providing before might not be there after this is all done. And but that's the nature of life there's a
0: that's life man
1: yeah horse and buggies went out and cars came in you know so right. there's something different all the time that's just the, the nature of the world
0: yeah i would agree it's uh it's interesting i had um one of our one of our sessions we uh the discussion was that you know we're not the six foot social distancing so the the social distancing kind of has a bad connotation it's like you're not really communicating or staying in touch with people and she had a twist on it. She said, let's be, let's exercise six foot physical difference. So I think that's a big difference. And, and really, people don't feel as locked in as um, cabin fever if you're, if you're communicating like this, if you're still using Zoom, if you're still using some type of communication that even though you may not be in the same room with them, you're still, you see them, you talk with them, you see their emotion as they have a conversation. So it really is almost like being there.
1: So my, as I grew up in a Coast Guard family as a kid. The one thing I always did, one very competitive thing, was sailboat racing. And uh, I have not been sailboat racing since this all started. They canceled everything all this summer. Uh, I was actually just finished a sailboat race to the Bahamas. And, and then by the, when we finished, that's when, ship we got some news for you. You know, there's no more basketball. There's no more hockey. Everything's been canceled for baseball coming out. Of my life. You've got to be kidding me. All since it took a day and a half for us to get here, the world's changed. And tomorrow you know, will be the first time I'm really doing something other than going from my, my home, which is maybe five minutes from here, to my office you know, in two months. And I'm going to get a chance to go over there. Yet, I feel like, because of technology, I've been all over the place. And as I right. said, I've had more fun talking with people all over the country, interacting, because you can see the people that, if you like work, that you're playing with every day. and and I, I use it to even try to talk to my opposing counsel to the insurance company adjusters you know I want if I'm getting them upset I want to see that little vein in their neck pop open and things yeah. like that that you can't do with a telephone so now that we're using this technology and using it better and able to share documents and other visuals I, I th- it's not the wave of the future it is, is' the way it is now
0: right I think that's a good way to put it it's not the future it is we're living it now yep. So let's, um, man, we could talk a long time about this and we could take up the whole show on this. So it, it's good stuff. It's what we're really living right now and and kind of what this COVID thing has has put us through or what has forced us to do. So uh, I see in the background, you have this thing called pay up. Yep. So I know that you are, that's a recent book. So tell me about the book and then tell us a little bit about your history and what got you here.
1: Well, for a living, all I've done is represent policyholders and you know, over the, over the years, they have these stories. And and one of the things that you know, I kept coming up is, you know, I, I wish I could tell people, you know, what goes on with insurance claims, where things can go wrong, what they can do to prevent them from having a disaster with their own insurance company. And so I try to show some of the stories of the disasters, and then what they could do to avoid getting into those in the very first place. And so I start talking about from the very start, you know, don't buy cheap insurance. You know, it's it's cheap for a reason. You know, the last thing, is how cheap is insurance that doesn't pay on a claim or doesn't provide- Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. If yeah. it's cheap, that probably means there's a lot of exclusions or you're missing something.
1: You know, Why go buy a cheap tire that's going to give out the wrong time if you get up to 65 miles an hour? I mean, there's a safety, fact. the whole reason for insurance is to provide safety and peace of mind for you. Don't go out and be cheap on it, especially as you become more affluent. Typically, people in their as you get older, as your business and everything is growing, you're, you're gaining more stuff. You become, you're, you're richer. You have more to lose if things don't right. work out.
0: You have more exposure, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and that's what insurance is. It's a hedge that in the event something horrible happens to you, you had the foresight to go out and buy insurance to give you the peace of mind that you financially put money aside. And with other people, a big risk pool, that, that if something bad happens to you or your neighbor, you will be taken care of. And that's what insurance is all about. And I talk about how do you pick your insurance agent, uh, how you pick your sophisticated insurance agent, um, the, any possibilities that businessmen need to be taken care of as they go through, uh, how do you uh, select other professionals, an attorney you might need if you have a problem with your insurance company, you know, afterwards. So. It, so that people don't get themselves into trouble and the stories that I've got by the time they get to me, yeah, and, and I would like to prevent that. And that's what was sort of the book and the thesis of the book you know, was all about. And uh, I made it so people could read that are not lawyers. It's not a, and it's a, it's a good read. And I think some of the things that talk about the people are just like, you gotta be kidding me. This yeah. is really what it goes on in the insurance world. And, and, but then what's the lesson from it? What can you do to help better protect yourself?
0: Good. I like it. I think that'll be good. So can we pick that up on Amazon or how do we pick up pick up oh, the book?
1: I, I, I think it's at Amazon.com. I know it's a Target. I know it's a Barnes and Noble. I think Walmart's got it. I'm surprised. You know, hey, honey, I got home. I got this insurance book called Pay Up. Are you serious? But you know, people are <laughs> buying the book. I couldn't, I really am surprised. I thought, this is gonna be this stupid, I'm gonna have to give all these books away, because who wants to, insurance is not exactly the most exciting topic in the world, but. Uh, hey,
0: it probably ranks up there ahead of accounting, so don't <laughs> tell me about th- boring thing, boring uh, careers now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of exactly what it is, but I, I wrote it, so I, I think there's some really crazy stories that we've been involved in over the years that, in our in our firm, that, wow, this really goes on, and then the lesson that comes with it, so that it is a most people to finish back, I've gotten some very nice comments from people that, Chip, it's really a good read. I learned something from it, and I didn't need to be a lawyer to, to learn all about it. Again, I wrote it for people um, so that they'll be better off for, for having read the book.
0: Good, good. There's two, two takeaways I've got from that. One is the importance of your insurance agent. You need to have an insurance agent that's not just trying to sell you the best policy, but they sell you the policy that fits the risk that you have. In the exposure that you have. That's like, that's number one. The number two is I'm a strong believer in you don't have to pay for the experience yourself, learn it from somebody else. You don't have to go through it to be an expert at it, right?
1: You don't. And as a matter of fact, uh, really good insurance agents have a lot of risk management training. You want to find the best. Like, talk about how do you find that best insurance agent that's very knowledgeable? And that's what they study. They actually study you and what type of risks, things that you wouldn't even think about, that because you're not in that particular business, know all those particular risks. To make Mm -hmm. certain that you're properly insured, so when something really bad happens, you don't find yourself not covered, and and then possibly you know lose your entire business or whatever else it might be. So, yeah, it's a very, it's it's insurance is something we all buy, but rarely do any study. Finding that is exactly about that is that that's. That's who you want as your insurance agent,
0: right? So, how many all of all the insurance policies that we've ever received? How many have we actually read?
1: <laughs> I would tell you probably none. You know, I'd I would tell, agree. You know, and it, you know, it's just. And even if you read it, I tell everybody, I'll tell judges. You know, you don't read your insurance policy, he doesn't. And even if you did, you wouldn't understand what your insurance policy means. And you're a judge. I mean, yeah. you have to have all these cases, all these descriptions and things. There's a whole study just to become. An insurance agent. If they make insurance agents study to read and understand what it really means, if you're not in the business, how can anybody really understand it? It's the most right. crazy product in the world. You don't even get to see your insurance policy until after you pay for it. It's not like going exactly. down to the supermarket and an apple or orange. You pick out the best one. You're you're relying upon your agent to tell you what it is, and then they sell send it to you only after the fact.
0: No, I totally agree. So. Listen, I told you this in the pre-show, and I, I really believe this, is that the, the area of law that you specialize in, your firm specialize in, specialize in, is really needed, and that you are really the advocate. You're representing the small guy. You're representing the, the individuals. You're representing the small business out there that they don't have the horsepower, the money. Or the knowledge to go against the big insurance company. So you're filling a void that's really that's really needed. You're helping the small guy. You're not out representing the big insurance company. You're you're the representing those average joes out there.
1: Uh, and we do we represent a whole a lot of people. I've told people I've, I've represented and actually filed a lawsuit for a little old lady over a forty five dollar holder muffler insurance company wouldn't represent to, um over a hundred million dollars on the port of New Orleans after Hurricane uh, Katrina. And so, you know, all, all these, and everywhere in between, it's, it's, but we represent people solely against the insurance company. We're also advocates for them. We, I show up up, up in Tallahassee at the legislature, it's always the insurance company has a, like, they have a army of lawyers out there as lobbyists. And I feel like it's just me and a few other people, you know, on behalf of the policyholders, we do our best throughout the country doing this, but it, the deck, deck is really stacked Against the problem. oh, it is. I talk a lot about that in the book too. That there's a, a revolving door. In almost every single department of insurance that they come from the insurance industry, go to work for the Department of Insurance, and they go back to the insurance industry again. I mean, it's the whole. It's yes, it, in terms of regulations, that there's not a lot of people, you know, doing the opposite. That that, that what we do is right. Limited.
0: Yeah, so I appreciate you doing that, and congratulations on your book. Now. Let's talk about well, this whole coronavirus. One of the things that came out early was business interruption insurance. So is will business normal BI policies cover the losses? For instance, you, you got direct losses and you got indirect losses. So give me give me some of your what's the takeaway on that? You you're you're the expert on that. So tell me what what you recommend or what what's how's that look?
1: Well, the, the recommendation for every, if you have business interruption coverage and you've got lost the civil authority coverage or interruption, uh, the your business could not be accessed because civil authorities, the governor, the mayor shuts you down. The one thing we will tell everybody right now is call your insurance agent and tell them to give your insurance company a notice of loss. It, it's required under every insurance policy. There is one requirement that everybody has to do. If you have a loss, provide the insurance company and notice a loss. And why do you say that, Chip? It, You know, Well, I don't know what's going to happen right now. I can't predict the future. There's been discussions in Congress about Congress passing a retroactive legislation that is going to provide a backstop to the insurance companies, provide a limited amount of coverage to some businesses who have insurance claims as a result of the coronavirus. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So even if the insurance industry would be correct, if Congress would come in and say, we're willing to do this, the insurance industry might say, well, then we don't have to fight our own customers. If you're gonna do this and everybody who agrees to do this is gonna go ahead and do it. But you have to first of all provide a notice of loss because that's the requirement, provide the notice of loss. There's then others as and, we're, and, and the truth of the matter is about half the policies to a little bit more have a, an exclusion for virus. That's going to be really hard to get around. I'm not going to say that's going to be easy to get around, argue on those those behalf. They may never get the coverage, but for some legislation that might come in place.
0: So you could have the civil authority allows them to get business interruption, and then you have the virus exclusion that says they don't get it.
1: They don't. And and so, but then you get into two different parts of the insurance. And I would get too technical for everybody, but you have what's called the direct business interruption, so that if like you had a fire and it burned you down you right. can make a claim for that some people are saying well the the virus got in here and shut me down we actually have one client who the chef owns 11 different restaurants and the head chef who owns the restaurants got the virus. he didn't know about it right away but he kept going to back and forth of all the restaurants and everybody else was starting to get sick they all had to shut down because we know the virus is there that's not what happened to most businesses most businesses got shut down because we're afraid that other people are going to catch everything and we're afraid that if the virus is at your premises, other people are going to get it. And we're just shutting down all businesses anywhere where people get close all the restaurants. Are shut, almost every, all my businesses shut down here, thank God we right. can start working remotely. But you can't, you can't work remotely at a restaurant, there's just no way. So. They're all shut down. Other places, sporting events and things like that are all shut down because of these civil authorities. There is a special coverage for civil authority that typically works if you think back to the Boston Marathon. Remember the year when there was a bombing that happened?
0: Yes, yes.
1: And, and then what happened after the bombing? For about a week, they shut down a two-block perimeter. And these businesses that were in there were shut down as the FBI, the state Massachusetts people were investigating, the, people, the police from Boston were shut down. Because these orders of a civil authority that required them to be shut down because of physical damage close by that occurred, they got paid under their civil authority for their lost income for it was anywhere from a few days to two weeks for some businesses during this investigation that went on. Similarly, if you read some of the orders, not all the orders, but a lot of the orders say because of the physical damage caused by virus getting in these business places to which other people might you know, catch the virus and things like that. We're shutting down all the businesses. So if you read the policies carefully, I know most people never read them before, but this is what I do for a living. A lot of the forms say if you're within 10 miles of where the virus might be, okay, and you're shut down because of these civil authorities, which you are, you fit this definition you know of it now there's the insurance company's never going to agree with any of that the right that the coronavirus really isn't that that bad it's like cleaning up Literally, one of them i was on a commentation with another program where my opposing counsel from the insurance company it's like you just cleaned up with dust you just wipe it up and i said <laughs> man just think about that somebody comes walking into your office coughing and wheezing and all this kind of stuff all over you all over your desk and stuff like that and then he says i got the coronavirus Are you just going to tell me you're just nonchalantly going to just wipe it up like some dust happened?
0: Yeah, I don't think that would happen.
1: I don't think that's going to happen. And so we're going to have these, look, there's dogs and cats are going to fight about this. The insurance industry is going to say they're going to go broke from it. They always say they're going to go broke from something. You know, the, the truth of the matter is if they paid full time and paid every single business for going down all the way through, they would go broke. But, you know, especially on the civil authority, most civil authority coverages only have four weeks of coverage. Ooh. So it's not going to be a saving grace for everybody. Um, but is that the, typically
0: they're going to cover the profits, or is it total revenue?
1: Um, they, it's the lost income. So it's not the total revenue. So if you were to shut down and your expenses were to go down during that period of time, it. It, it's your income that you would have from that. From from that, and it's but it's limited again. Not all policies, but most are limited to four weeks. You know, okay. But we think those have the of. Uh, We think those have the best chance of winning, uh, absent the ones that uh, actually have pandemic coverage. And there's a few policies out there that do.
0: Yeah, those are, my guess is if they had pandemic coverage, those are probably a lot more expensive premiums that they were paying through time.
1: They paid a lot more uh, premium. And typically those were related to some uh, big major sporting events that were going on. Um, and, And a few businesses that had it added to some special coverage because they had great insurance agents that provided for the coverage you know it's just amazing it's i I see some of these get you you get issued because they had great risk managers that wrote those clauses in probably didn't have to pay much you know extra premium for it but these are typically larger corporations that you know a lot of times don't even need to come to us because they get their claims paid and things like that right although even insurance companies are arguing with them about how much you know, oh, I'm
0: sure what happens. I know you mentioned the direct and the direct is probably the easiest and and when they had the full shutdown of certain industries like restaurants or bars when they said close totally or all that you can do is offer takeout. So that that's kind of a clear line. So what happens with your business interruption when the restaurants are allowed to open back at 50%
1: and then that would, uh, well. It's how much you would lose during that period of time. So you're, okay. it would be just like if you had a fire, and you're able to partially reopen back right away, which you're supposed to. You know, as you start to reopen, over open, it's the amount of income you're going to have is going to get, you know, smaller. That you're able to collect from your insurance company because it's always an indemnification policy. Yeah, but even on on that, some of the insurance companies, depending on the policy language is worded, if they they say no, that means the you can only claim it if you have complete you know, denial of access to it. So if you're partially reopened and selling it, you don't get it. So we're gonna have there's gonna be, yeah, a, lot. Gonna be
0: a lot. There's, there's gonna, gonna be, gonna be a, lot a lot
1: of litigation because there's gonna be thousands of lawsuits filed over this.
0: Would there be coverage for indirect losses? For instance, if it is a an industry that or a business that was not shut down, however, they were unable to get the supplies because of an interruption in the supply chain.
1: Yeah, and that's so that's called dependent um, or con- or contingent business interruption coverage, so that even if it didn't happen to you, it mm-hmm. happened to somebody else—a flood or something—and then floods covered your policy, but your supplier got wiped out by a flood. And we had this happen in Taiwan in place of those major floods, or it could be the earthquake that happened in Japan, and people can't get their supplies taken care of; they can't finish the car or whatever. Um, the answer is yes. The problem is they it. <laughs> Your policy would still have to cover you for the pandemic coverage in order for them who got shut down by the pandemic coverage. It's, and so we found in actuality, while there's that possibility for it because of the exclusions for the virus, most of the businesses just, you know, don't have it directly on, on that. We think that's going to be very difficult.
0: To, that's going to be difficult. The so the, um, here's what we'll let's do for the, the finish of the this show, the recording for the radio show is let's hit on a couple of other big points that, that you have and then let's carry over to the the post show that'll be on YouTube and on the podcast. Let's touch on the the captive insurance and how that may play into this for the business interruption. But let's save that for the for the after show. So we have the the direct the civil or notice of civil order. Uh, what other what other action or what other issues do you see out there for the the policyholder that has a business interruption policy to be able to get uh, a payment from their insurance company for their, their coverage.
1: Well, once you put in the, the notice of loss and the insurance company then is triggered to do some type of response. Uh, overwhelmingly, the the biggest response has been, you know, it's now they've turned. Into, it used to start up with us like a two page letter. We're not going to pay you anything to about a nine page letter saying we're going to investigate everything and they give you everything under the sun about everything that they might find that's not going to cover you you know for this particular thing and then says we'll get back to you and so and they don't get back i mean is the problem they've just stopped they're not going to make a payment uh probably in about five percent of the cases we've actually found where the insurance company's following up and asking more questions well how much money have you lost and things like that and then you to provide them you know that information during the time you're you're done but we're finding that when they send the we send the information about that to the insurance company they're not going to the expense of hiring a whole bunch of accountants to figure it out because they're trying to keep their costs down they typically then just then they send the denial letter back you know like how serious are you for this and the reason why they're they're they're, you know somewhat doing this they know by this time that most of the people have actually made the loss notice of loss will follow possible possibly with a law firm somewhere that's going to monitor the situation possibly see if they're going to be a candidate for a lawsuit being filed and so what our firm is doing is is finding the best cases to file the best lawsuits and and using the best examples to show how there can be coverage to hopefully get good rulings from courts that will then allow others that you know might be marginal and things to have a better chance and there's actually and I'm having a big debate with some of my colleagues about this many, uh, larger businesses hate class action lawsuits because it never helps them. They're getting sued for it. The truth of the matter this time, some class actions being brought against the insurance companies. You have so many people that the insurance companies, you know, we got to find a way to get this resolved. And you know, what kind of, what kind of settlement can we reach that we might be able to put this to bed for everybody?
0: So, yeah. Quicker, quicker is going to be better on that for sure.
1: Well, quicker quicker. I don't think anything's going to get paid quick though. We'll still, we'll, We'll see what's going to happen. The insurance industry has a way of of dragging things on, but but and that's I'm glad you know we're only a little bit a couple months into this right now. You know, a couple months from now things might change. You never know when legislation might come up. and might, Who knows what type of deal might get worked so that we can put it to bed and maybe put this whole litigation done and into a settlement mode. But until then, I got to go and, and think that we're going to be battling this until the to the very end.
0: Well, good. Let's uh, wrap up. Chip, tell us your the name of your firm and your contact information, and then I'll close us out for the show.
1: Sure. My name's Chip Merlin. I'm president of the Merlin Law Group. We're based in in Tampa, Florida, but we're all over the United States with 13 different offices with 60 attorneys. Uh, you can contact me at just uh, if you go to chipmerlin.com. You can find me that way, and email me, call me. Uh, you can go MerlinLawGroup.com and find me. Uh, you can call 813-229-1000 and call me. I've got my cell number if you go to our website. And I have people call me. on sell them. Believe it or not, I will pick up on my cell phone to, to call people back. Um, Excellent.
0: So we you. will – Chip, it has been outstanding to have you on the show. So stick around. We're going to do some other discussion. We're going to carry this conversation after the radio show. So check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Radio. I am your host, Charles Musgrove with Business Matters. You've gotten a lot of knowledge nuggets right here today. So stick around for more. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a great week. Peace. The Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com. All right, Chip. That was good. So let's um, let's continue the discussion into the. Is there anything else before we jump to the captive? What else do we need to know about the the business interruption policy? It really sounds like if they if a client if a person has a business interruption policy, they're more than likely uh, if their agent is not able, they're going to really need to team up with with you or another law firm out there that provides this niche service where they defend or they they advocate for the policyholder.
1: Yeah, the truth of the matter is um, most agents can only go so far on this and they're getting a lot of pressure and pushback by most of the insurance companies mm-hmm. that they have contracts with. Right. So they aren't pushing this very hard. As a matter of fact, some of the agents that are uh, great advocates for their customers right now are being very quiet about this. Uh, I, I've read an in insurance agent negligence type things that would be negligent you know for an agent not to put the notice of loss in so for heaven's sake put the notice of loss in you might be able to give some supporting facts but you really shouldn't you know start practicing law it, this really turns into something for lawyers eventually and both the insurance industry as well as people like myself have really started we have a team devoted to this right now
0: um, yeah, I can imagine it's going to be huge. What, what? One thing we didn't touch on previously was, do you, how do how do you do your fees? Do you work on a contingency basis at the time it's settled, or how do you do that?
1: So we work on, on, on a case like this. Almost everybody wants to go contingency fee basis, especially since it's so risky. We really don't know how that's going to work out. Some larger clients, um, uh, corporations that we do represent, some governmental entities that we represent, uh, will retain us on an hourly basis because they have so much. Money right. at least they don't want to, or will even have a small contingency fee, with right. them. So, uh, but I would, ninety percent of all of our clients uh, retain us on a contingency fee, and for those that are more affluent and pay us on hourly, I'm gladly get paid hourly as well.
0: Yeah, because that's a my guess is as you carry those and they they last a long time, that really that gets to be a big number as well.
1: Yeah, we, you know, by having it on a contingency fee, I'm aligned with my client. I would love for it to get done, you know, quick and get all the money back, uh, but it, it makes us fight real hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to just uh, make up big attorney's fees on an hourly basis, I, and I don't say all attorneys do that, but you know, I definitely align with my client's interest when I'm on a contingent basis. Of, if we don't win, I don't collect, and the sooner I win, the sooner I get paid as well. Oh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That puts you on the same page with them. So everybody's pulling together.
1: Right. They, right.
0: they can, uh, the, the client can look at you and they know that too. So they know that you're not getting, getting a whole bunch of money before they don't have anything.
1: The truth of the matter is most people don't, you know, who studies insurance law to know what all the benefits are under the policy, who studies all the regulations and the what penalties the insurance company might have for delaying or not paying you fully. And this is what we do. And, and there's, there's a lot of gold in insurance policies that frankly, a lot of people forget to ever make claim because they don't know it's there to begin with, they ask for. And the yeah. insurance company, I've got a, a thing over there with the three monkeys of, you know, you know, hear no evil, hear no even. See see no no evil. evil. and the insurance right. adjusters are not about to hearsay or see anything that's going to help out many customers. They're happy to pay, you know, as little as possible. So I think, uh, not only is it that we, we're aligned to get things done quickly, but also because of our knowledge, we're able to find more within the policies that may never have been claimed.
0: Yeah, this is. Um, I am not a paid solicitor for you or your firm, but I am a strong believer in in what you do, and I would be the first one to to tell a policyholder they need to engage Chip Merle and they need to they need to engage a competent. Qualified person like you that that can provide that service because you're exactly right. Those things are extremely complicated, I, I, I know we said earlier who who has ever read a policy, and even if they did, would know what the heck they just read. I now, mean, I doubt even the agents know that, and they're supposed to be the person you deal with that that understands the policy the most, and I doubt they know it.
1: Well, there's there's agents and there's agents, and you. you Definitely can find out who the leaders in the industry are who really are very dedicated, that teach others, that write. You can just tell they're so passionate about it. This is what they do. And they know the coverage is inside and out. And many times they align themselves in agencies that are big enough that they have claims departments themselves that actually help out and advocate on behalf of their policyholder after the loss happens. Some of those agencies actually end up, they take it so far, refer cases to us, but they do a great job keeping people away from having litigation without having to keep away from that, making certain that all the claims are being uh, paid for fully and that the insurance adjusters are doing the right job. So uh, again, one of the parts, you know, the book that I wrote is you want to look for those agents and have them representing you from, from the very start you can. That will avoid having to hire people like me and things just go away the, the way they should.
0: Good. Chip, before I forget, and I'll even do this on the, on the recorded part, send me some snippets out of the book that I can include in the description that goes in our podcast and YouTube, and then people can see that and they'll see what an awesome book that is and it'll, we'll link it over to where they can buy it as well. Okay. So send that to me. Uh, let's talk about just briefly the, the role a captive insurance company would, pay, would play in this, this business interruption world.
1: Well, the great thing about captive insurance company is since it's captive and you're part of it, you can decide what type of language you want to have in there. And, and while it is you know, typically not the purchases in growing segments, whether it's in particular industries, particular individuals where they have homes or businesses in certain parts of, of, of the world, United States, you can't even find regular insurance. you almost have to go to uh, self-insured captive insurance companies, but you get the right, the insurance policy. So that if you were concerned about something like a virus, you, you know, and having pandemic coverage, and since they're custom policies, you actually might find you have coverage for it within the cap that then a reinsurer might pick up for. That's different than what the ISO forms have. And so, you know, I'm in today's day and age, I'm telling, you know, people that are more affluent and the people that are businesses that are in specialized industries, especially they're finding we can't even afford to pay normal insurance. Well, what can we do to go to a captain, write it for ourselves, get the tax savings, you know, exactly, and then, it, yeah. and then get the ability to grow that surplus for your own rather than for the insurance company. Right. So I've, most people that have gone into captives that are put up right and done the right way. I've found to be very, very happy. I never have to see them. They don't have to come to me. They're not fighting the insurance company. They're usually the, the, the adjustment goes much better that way because it's, it's really themselves that that they're insuring,
0: yeah, right. Do you see the the um, the captives? Usually, those are those are for the big boys, the big companies. And I've been told that if you're a Microsoft, if you're in the Fortune 500, then you're gonna you're gonna have a captive of some sort that's covering some risk. That's just the way it is. I mean, it, they're the insurance is too expensive. Those the tax rules and the, the coverage that you can get from those captives are too good not to be able to, not to use them.
1: But we're also finding some people that are uh, upper management, even middle management. Suppose you're out and you have a, a secondary home in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands in the Bahamas, and it's very difficult to get the hurricane risk insured. We're finding pooled captive insurance companies that are insuring people that are a little more affluent, not the biggest boys in the world and insuring them very well and taking care of those risks. Uh, and, and, you know, because it's a captive, it's very much like a mutual insurance company to an extent, Mm -hmm. but it's more mutual. You really (laughs) feel like you're part of it because it's your own money tied up in a pool, you know, with others. And so the risk of management, the hardening of your buildings, everybody's on the same page that way, because you don't want to have losses. So you can build surplus, actually assets from the insurance product itself.
0: Yeah, that's the way to go. So you're seeing more of that too.
1: Oh, absolutely! All over, all absolutely, and as more uh, more countries have allowed more captives out there, more there's more reinsurance being applied and allowed for captives, so it makes it easier when they have big catastrophic losses to happen, so that they're properly insured. Right, um, I, I think it's the wave of the future for for many people. As a matter of fact, there's even for life insurance for some business owners that how am I going to take care of my uh, taxes. If I were to die, or when I time for me to turn over the the business to junior, they're going to captive life insurance that way. So they're putting it. Why give it to an insurance company when you can right. set it up? This is your own insurance company.
0: Well, so, the other uh, the other interesting thing is what will these things even be more attractive now that this corona's happened? I mean, that may be a way that because. In, regular business interruption insurance may become more expensive as they cover more of this pandemic cost. So that just, that, that provides more opportunity for the captive to cover those losses.
1: Well, it will, but you know, captives also have to be actuarial sound too. So right. they're going to draft out how they think the pandemics, you know, might play out too. So certainly any policy that's going to be covering uh, pandemic type coverage and, and any underwriter that sees that, that then turns over to actuaries, gonna be charging more for that today. But you can't even get it in the marketplace today. So if right. you want to, not for today's pandemic, but for the next one that might come, and maybe it won't be for ten years, maybe over twenty years, maybe it's forty years from now. But you still want to have that coverage. You're gonna find it much easier to get through a captive, you know, who, who's willing to take that and pay for the price. of many insurance companies say, look. We can't afford to sell it to the masses out there, you know, and we can't just say one person's going to get it when it's in a captive. You limit the amount of, the numbers of people in a captive are usually a lot less. You can then have a policy that might cover for that particular risk.
0: Absolutely. Well, Chip, is there anything else we want to touch on? This has been a... A wide ranging discussion we've had we've had a we've had some great discussion today so I really appreciate you taking the time to get on the call with us today.
1: Well, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I would say that uh, you know for everybody out there listening, insurance is with all of us. You know if you if you buy a car and you finance it, you got to have insurance. If you buy a home, you got insurance. You your office building, if it's financed at all, they make you go buy it. So it's a product that you know it's almost forced on us a lot. But I I would stress for people if you think about it as something that's being a product that's there to help hedge against the unknown and provide you financial peace of mind. and If done properly, it can, it can, it should be a cornerstone of your, of your business, of yourself as you're getting older, find that right insurance agent that, that knows these things are gonna help you. And I think you're gonna find that insurance is not such a a bad product, but something that can be used uh, to hedge against these huge losses that might come up. as many times as I sue insurance companies, people are surprised every single time I tell people I believe in the product, it is a great product just at the time of the claims payment, sometimes the insurance companies don't come through because it's a lot more profitable to take people's money and not pay claims than to do otherwise.
0: Absolutely, so, it's more uh, profitable for those insurance companies if they never have claims, right?
1: Insure, I'll, chip, I'll insure you for the Brooklyn Bridge because they know I don't own the Brooklyn Bridge, right? That's right.
0: <laughs> Well, Chip, I thank you so much. This has been awesome. And check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and we're going to have you back for another session, Chip. This has been awesome. Chip Merlin with the Merlin Group, the attorney to go to to defend your policyholders. You can take care of them for any PNC matter. You've got it covered. Your your group of, of lawyers. So, Thank you so much. You cover the whole United States. You've got people on the West Coast, East Coast, South, North. So keep up the good work. Thank you for doing what you do and uh, have a blessed day. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Charles. Thank you.